Greetings, 12s. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast alongside Rob Rang. Happy Blue Friday to all of you. We've got a jam-packed show on tap. For you X's and O's junkies out there, we've got plenty in store for you today. So let's get to it. We're closing in on game day. We'll take a look at where the Seahawks stand on the injury front going into Sunday. In the second quarter, it's time to dissect a few spicy matchups in this game. And there are a bunch of them between two very good teams. And we'll close out the show with our weekly game plan. How can the Seahawks slow down Lamar Jackson and company to get a big home win? Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. Seattle has a daunting task trying to slow down Baltimore's top-ranked offense, and there's a chance they could be shorthanded on defense going into this game. Rob, we don't know if Bradley McDougal, Lano Hill, Ziggy Anza, any of these guys are going to be available Sunday, and if, if they're missing two or three of those players, that's a major issue it certainly is. I mean, it's a it's a huge concern for Seattle because you're, you're talking about three of, of the Seahawks' best tackling defenders. Um, and, and so when you have a team like the Baltimore Ravens who are going to run the football as much as they are, they're going to have the ball out in space, then that is going to be a, a huge area of concern um, just because some of the backups at those same positions are, are players that have at times struggled uh, with tackling in open space. Looking at the injury report as a whole, from yesterday's practice, Bradley McDougal dealing with a back injury. Lano Hill's got an elbow issue. They have missed two consecutive practices for the Seahawks. And Ziggy Anza dealing with an ankle injury. I actually saw the play in the first half on Sunday where it looked like he twisted his ankle a little bit, but he stayed in the game, eventually forced and recovered a key fumble for the Seahawks. But he's been out these first two practices as well. Quentin Jefferson was limited with an oblique issue yesterday. He practiced in full on Wednesday. So this is a new injury. So they've got a number of guys, and I would hedge bets that at least two of those guys are going to be playing in this game, if not more. We see these guys miss practices quite a bit at this point of the season. It's not unusual for them to come back, and these guys are all veterans as well. So there's a chance they could all play, but especially with those safeties, if McDougal and Hill both can't go, you're going to be putting Marquise Blair out there, and, and a lot of people are excited to see him, so maybe this is what it takes to get him on the field and see what he can do. But you would have a very inexperienced secondary out there with him making his first start. And, of course, Tedrick Thompson still just in his third season. He's only played a handful of starts as well. No, I think that's an excellent point, Corbin, because I, I would not be surprised at all to see, especially Bradley McDougal and Ziggy Ansah be on the field. I mean, as you mentioned, these are veteran players. Um, you you kind of know what you have with them. Um, but again, if, if there's any chance that you don't have them, um, I think that would be a significant loss for the Seahawks. Uh, and Bradley McDougal, just because of his mind, um, you know, he is such a such an integral part of Seattle's defense. And then Ziggy Ansah is something we're going to be kind of talking about a little bit later in the show and in some of our uh, key matchups. I, I really think that Ziggy Ansah and, of course, Jadavian Clown on the opposite side, they're going to be critical um, to Seattle's game plan in this game. And it's not necessarily just because of their ability to rush the passer. In fact, quite the opposite. I think that they are going to be very important to how Seattle is going to be able to defend the, the Ravens' uh, terrific running attack um, and a varied running attack at that. It's not just the running back, of course, but Lamar Jackson and everything that he can do as well. 
On the offensive line, the Seahawks are still dealing with some injuries as well. Dwayne Brown dealing with a bicep issue still. He's still out, unlikely to play on Sunday. Pete Carroll said earlier this week that if he couldn't play against the Ravens, they were thinking he would be able to go in week eight against the Atlanta Falcons, but it's looking less and less likely that he's going to be back. Looks like it's going to be a second straight week that he's out. DJ Fluker did return in limited fashion on Thursday dealing with his hamstring issue. Uh, Still up in the air whether he's going to be healthy enough to go, and if he's not 100% the way Jamarco Jones has played I guess this is my feeling you don't push the issue maybe you give him another week and then you can bring Fluker back against the Atlanta Falcons well that to me is going to be one of again one of the absolute critical elements of this game is whether or not you're going to be able to get Fluker and you know it sounds like Dwayne Brown's not going to be able to play as much of a fan as I am George Fant as well as Jamarco Jones, you're talking about two players who are at their best, at least in my opinion, in pass protection. They both are terrific athletes, very light on their feet. The Baltimore Ravens are not the best pass rushing team, but they are very, very stout at the point of attack, at least on along the defensive line. Pernell McPhee is not a sack and not a big sack threat again on the outside, but going up against George Fant, I think that, that Fant may struggle to be able to get much movement there um, against Pernell McPhee in, in the same thing Brennan Williams we're going to be talking about this again a little bit later um, in the third quarter in our key matchups but I think that that's something that Seattle should be concerned about um, if they have Fluker I don't think you have the, quite as much concern because Fluker is such a big strong guy but with Jamarco Jones as light on his feet as he is and terrific in pass protection he is not the same type of player in terms of moving people and Brennan Williams at 6'1 330 pounds he, he's a big man and hard to move Yeah, DJ Fluker matches up better against him if you're looking from a run game perspective. So I understand from that point of view, the Seahawks would love to get him back this week. Uh, It's just one of those things with Fluker. Is he healthy enough to really be an impact player, though? So the Seahawks are going to be trying to figure that out today, and we'll see what the final injury list looks like. But I would assume probably going to be listed as questionable. It, It really depends if he's able to make it through today's practice. If he can, then maybe there's a chance he'll be back on Sunday against the Ravens. Let's tie up this segment with some really good news. Obviously, Will Disley suffered a Achilles injury last Sunday. He's out for the season, underwent surgery yesterday. But the good news here, Pete Carroll speaking on Cairo Radio today said that his surgery was minimally invasive and actually said that his recovery should be uh, sped up a little bit. Maybe he'll be back a few months earlier. And that's actually a really big deal because typically when players have these surgeries on ruptured Achilles tendons, they don't come back for 11 or 12 months. That's usually the timetable. So if they're able to speed that up a little bit and he's able to come back in nine months or so, that's going to put him right in line to come back for the start of training camp. Yeah, that would be huge if that is indeed the case. We know that Will Disley has shown a remarkable recovery time with that past uh, patella tendon injury. Um, and, and unfortunately, Seattle knows all too well about Achilles tendons issues um, with, with some of their prior players. But let's face it, Will Disley was never the quickest guy, never the speediest guy. Um, the reason why he's so effective is just because he, he is powerful. Um, he is a better athlete than people have given him credit for. But uh, he, he has shown just a remarkable work ethic in his recovery and on the field so I think that this bodes well um, for Seattle and for Will Disley specifically moving forward 
the best news that you can ask for at this point. Obviously, like I said, still going to be out for the rest of the year, but this is encouraging for his recovery. Sounds like the surgery was very successful, and so good news for the Seahawks moving forward. Still a very young player that they believe is going to be a big part of their team again in 2020 and beyond. The folks at Roman, a men's health company, are changing the game with Roman Swipes, the secret to longer-lasting sex. Get $10 off your first order of swipes and free two-day shipping at GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. When we return from the break, it's time to break down several matchups to watch this weekend when the Ravens travel to Seattle to face the Seahawks. Don't go away. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings, and no matter what you bet or how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Welcome back, 12. This is the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith, alongside Rob Rang, as we do every week here on the podcast. Rob and I are going to put on our coaching caps here in a few minutes and assemble a game plan for Seahawks victory. But before we can get to that point, it's time to look at some key matchups. And boy, are there some fun ones to watch in this game this week, Rob. There, there really are. I mean, I start off. I think you have to look at the just the the MVP favorite in Russell Wilson going up against his former teammate Earl Thomas. I think that you know you, you look at this matchup and on paper, uh, you know, you just say, hey, you got Russell Wilson here. He has yet to throw a single interception. You have a Baltimore Ravens team that doesn't have a terrific pass rush, but at the same time, I think that the the Ravens trade for uh, for Marcus Peters is is something that is very significant. And it's not just Russell Wilson, of course, and Earl Thomas. Thomas, but I think I'm especially encouraged by by DK Metcalf. You know that Earl Thomas, you know that Marcus Peters know, uh, you know Tyler Lockett and, and the rest of Seattle's receivers very well. Um, especially with Earl Thomas having played up against him. But but DK Metcalf is a whole other beast, of course. The 6'3", 230 pounds, that four three speed. And so the, to me, that is one of the uh, the fascinating matchups in this game is how is Earl Thomas uh, able to uh, to show off his range, but at the same time not get caught sleeping a little bit as is sometimes the case in Seattle. In playing in Baltimore's defense, the, the Ravens are using Earl Thomas a little differently than what Seattle did. It, when he was with the Seahawks, he was that center fielder back there, and the Seahawks could afford to run that cover three scheme almost exclusively because he could cover up so much space. In Baltimore, he's doing a lot of different things. They're doing a lot more two deep coverages with a second safety. They're using him up towards the box a little bit more. He had two consecutive plays in a game recently where he blitzed off the edge. So these are the things you just didn't see him do very often with the Seahawks. 
He's played quite a bit of robber uh, at his safety position as well. So they're moving him around. This is not going to be one of those games where you're going to come in and Russell Wilson's thinking, well, I know where he's going to be at most of the time. He's going to move all over the place. So I'm really curious to see how that plays out. But again, we know Russell Wilson's a very cerebral quarterback. He's very observant. So I'm not too worried or concerned about that issue. But you do need to know where Earl Thomas is at at all times because of his playmaking ability. And so that's going to be a fun matchup. On the flip side, We don't normally do quarterbacks versus individual players in these matchups, but this particular game, I think you can make that case on both sides. Lamar Jackson is just having a phenomenal season. He is on pace to become the first quarterback in NFL history to throw for 4,000 passing yards and rush for 1,000 yards. He's just been dynamic in every way for the Ravens, and I think this is a huge game for Bobby Wagner against him. I expect Seattle is going to have him spying on Jackson a lot in this football game. Maybe they'll bring him on a few blitzes as well. He's been very effective in that capacity. But in order to neutralize Jackson's running ability, you've got to have an athlete that is capable of running with him. And Bobby Wagner is the only linebacker the Seahawks have. And their linebackers are athletic, but he's the only one that's going to be able to sprint from the middle of the field to the sideline and be able to cut off Lamar Jackson. We know he's a really good tackler, the best tackler in the league, arguably. So to me, that's a really crucial matchup to watch. Wagner's going to have his eyes on Jackson at all times. No, absolutely. I think that, you know, again, we're, we're starting off with the two MVP quarterbacks. Uh, they were MVP candidates at the quarterback position and in the, the primary defensive player, I think, um, that is going to be asked to, as you said, spy um, on those quarterbacks. And, and so Bobby Wagner is probably the best linebacker in the league when it comes to this particular role. And that's why I think that that the Seahawks have a much better chance um, of slowing down Lamar Jackson than than just about any other defense in the entire NFL. And of course, it helps that you're going to be at at home in the CenturyLink. But at the same time, as you pointed out, Corbin, Lamar Jackson is just a freakish talent. I mean, the the, the fact that he is running throughout the league um, shouldn't come as a surprise. Anybody who watched the Heisman Trophy winner at Louisville knows what a dynamic athlete he is. But his his passing game as well um, is what is really ticking off this year. And, and give the, the, the Baltimore Ravens a lot of credit because they have surrounded him with the weapons to take full advantage of his vision, of his strong arm, of his touch down the field, and, of course, that dynamic running ability. So I 100% agree with you. The, the Lamar Jackson-Bobby Wagner matchup is a fascinating one to watch. And I think it would absolutely be uh, key to the, to whether or not the Ravens are able to put up a lot of points and, and make this game uh, perhaps one that the Seahawks fans are not going to be real happy with. The Ravens offensively could be without their best wide receiver, Marquise Brown. He still has not practiced this week dealing with an ankle issue. But we talked about this particular player a lot on yesterday's show. Tight end Mark Andrews. He leads the team in receiving yards. He has been dynamic for them in his second year out of Oklahoma. And he's got great size, a really good athlete, soft hands. He is going to be a matchup problem, especially with considering the Seahawks have had issues again this year with tight ends. Gerald Everett, particularly a few weeks ago, the Rams, he was their most dynamic weapon aside from Cooper Cup. Those two guys were killing the Seahawks in that game. And Andrews, to me, is a better overall receiver than Gerald Everett is. So, again, the Seahawks have relied so much on that 4-3 base defense. If they're going to continue doing that, you're going to end up in positions where K.J. Wright or Michael Kendricks are consistently in coverage against Mark Andrews. And while those guys are really good coverage linebackers, that still strikes me as a matchup that favors the Baltimore Ravens. 
No, I, I agree. And, and that's the thing is I'm happy you mentioned Marquise Brown because if the, the Ravens do not have the, the talented first-round speedster wide receiver, um, then that's going to allow Seattle's defensive backs to perhaps crowd the line of scrimmage a little bit closer, be able to give them a little bit more help against Mark Andrews because he is absolutely a difference maker at the tight end position. Um, as you mentioned, Seattle has struggled um, covering tight ends many times in the past. That's been a function of their defense. They would rather funnel things in the middle rather than allow teams to to go over the top in the, in the deep ball. And so that's, you know, teams are going to be able to throw the ball somewhere. Um, and so, uh, you know, that that's just kind of a natural byproduct of the way Pete Carroll calls games. But at the same time, Mark Andrews is one of those tight ends that can absolutely take over a game, uh, especially if Seattle's linebackers are, are focusing so much against stopping the run as they should be against the Ravens. So there's going to be some matchups there, some opportunities there, I should say, for Mark Andrews to, to take advantage of, of Seattle's focus on the running game. And so it's going to be critical, whether it be the linebackers, KJ Wright or Michael Kendricks, or those safeties. And so that's all the more reason why it's going to be very important to see if if uh, McDougald or uh, Delano Hill or Delano Hill are, are on the field for Seattle, or if it is, in fact, uh, the, the rookie uh, Marquise Blair or the Tedrick Thompson. Either way, um, Seattle had better make sure that they're keying in on Mark Andrews, as well as the other tight end, Hayden Hurst, who was actually drafted ahead of, of Andrews, and both of them are dynamic weapons after the catch yeah this is a game that I've got the tight end circled as focal points offensively especially without Brown looking like he's gonna be able to play we'll have to wait and see there's still a chance that he could suit up for this game of course but right now it looks like they're going to be counting on their tight ends to carry the passing game in this football game as far as the Seahawks are concerned that they do have a history with Marcus Peters his time with the Rams and Russell Wilson has had great success throwing against him and Tyler Lockett with those double moves if Peters is against Lockett Russell Wilson's going to be licking his lips a little bit and Peters is obviously a very good player but this has been a one-sided affair with Wilson versus Peters especially when Lockett is the receiver that's working against him they the Ravens do have Marlon Humphrey so they have some flexibility there with who they want to put against Tyler Lockett but as you mentioned earlier whoever's against Lockett the other corner is going to have to defend DK Metcalf who presents a totally different uh, skill set that creates other issues to deal with. No, it really does. And I would be surprised if Marcus Peters is not going up against Tyler Lockett most of the time just because Tyler Lockett with 4-3 speed um, you know, is a, is a significant matchup. And he's such a savvy route runner. Marcus Peters, as you said, um, has been beaten at times by Lockett. But at the same time, he is that caliber of an athlete. And, of course, he's going to know him better than Marlon Humphrey does with the Baltimore Ravens rarely playing Seattle. Uh, I, I think I like the way that, that Humphrey matches up with DK Metcalf because they're both bigger, stronger kind of guys. Um, but at the same time, I really do think that that's a matchup that Seattle may look to try to exploit as well as, you know, the Jerome Browns and the, and the David Moores of the world. I think that there are some potential, uh, you know, openings for Seattle against the, the secondary. The, the Ravens, as we've talked about before, are not the, the fearsome defense that they've been in, in the past. And so it might be one of those games where you have to kind of pass to, to, to open up some opportunities in the running game um, a little bit more than some of the other games so far this season. The Ravens also lost their high-paid starting nickel cornerback at the beginning of the season as well. So that may open up opportunities out of the slot for the Seahawks, especially if Lockett and Metcalf are drawing a lot of attention on the outside. Maybe Lockett gets some reps out of the slot in this game as well. I anticipate we'll see that a little bit. One last matchup that you and I were talking a little bit about before getting on the podcast here, the Seahawks offensive line 
We mentioned the first quarter. There's a chance they'll be without two starters again. This Ravens defensive front is not as good as they've had in some other years. They lost a bunch of guys in free agency from up front, but they've still got some guys like Pernell McPhee and Brandon Williams, the big 330-pound defensive tackle, that are going to be a problem for that Seahawks offensive line. And I also want to mention Matt Judon as well. He's a guy that leads their team with four sacks, can get into the backfield. They don't have a ton of sacks as a team, just 11 of the year, one more than the Seahawks even have. The Seahawks have struggled rushing to pass this year, but this is still a very formidable defensive line, especially against the run. Exactly. Very much against the run. And that's where I, I think that Seahawks fans should be concerned about because it could make uh, the Seahawks one dimensional. And when the Seahawks are one dimensional, then that's like any team. That's a real problem. Uh, you know, we mentioned Brandon Williams, 6'1", 330 pounds. Um, the big run stuffer, uh, Michael Pierce, who is even shorter and squatter at six foot, 325 pounds. Um, you know, these are two guys that just absolutely eat up blocks in the middle. Um, and, and so that's something that Seattle's going to have to to be concerned about again if it's Jamarco Jones at right guard I think that Seattle is going to be have a little bit better uh, quickness in terms of pass protection but they're absolutely going to be giving up some beef uh, when it comes to the running game so to me that's going to be critical for Seattle they're going, they're going to need to establish the run at some point and are they able to create enough movement at the point of attack I am not a huge fan of Baltimore's inside linebackers both of them are, are a little smaller um, Josh Bynes at 6'1", 230 pounds and Owusu um, who is a, a former safety at Portland State 6'2", 225 pounds if you can get to those linebackers then I think that Chris Carson can have some success but you have to get to them first Yep, it's getting those big guys moved, and with the situation injury-wise up front, that might be a little tougher for the Seahawks to accomplish. It's time for a quick break. When we come back, we're going to take you into the coach's office and share our game plan for a Seahawks victory on Sunday. We'll be right back on the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm Corbin Smith alongside my co-host Rob Rang. The Ravens will be coming to Seattle with one of the best offensive attacks in the league. Despite not having a ton of stud receivers, they're averaging 205 rushing yards per game. They are leading the league in total yards per game as well. This has just been a very good, well-oiled machine in Baltimore. I mentioned this earlier, the quarterback Lamar Jackson, he's on pace to obliterate record books with his dual threat capabilities. And the defense defense is still capable of turning in solid performances each week, even if it's not one of the stout units we're used to seeing in Baltimore. Let's start uh, with the most pressing question here, Rob. How do the Seahawks slow down Lamar Jackson? I mentioned this earlier, on pace to throw for over 4,000 yards, rush for over 1,000. That has never been done in the NFL, and Jackson has a legitimate opportunity to accomplish that feat. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the million-dollar question. Um, you know, no one's been able to slow down Lamar Jackson, at least not, uh, you know, throughout the entire game. Again, I think that Seattle has a better chance than most just because of the speed that Seattle has on defense as well as using that that, that base 4-3 defense that they've been using, um, you know, basically all throughout the season. This is not a game where I necessarily expect to see a lot of Jamar Taylor. I think that Seattle is going to stick with their base. They are going to try to to cover the backs and tight ends with their linebackers and then be able to try to, to slow 
down uh, Baltimore's rushing attack by by just playing good, physical, tough defense at the point of attack. But that's the thing. It, it sounds easy, but the Baltimore Ravens are not a team that is just going to you know run the ball blindly up the field. They, they are very multiple, and it's almost their receiving core is kind of like the what people used to say about the Seahawks receiving core, or it's a pedestrian group. Well, it's not such a pedestrian group when you consider the the way that the, the offensive coordinator um, changes things up and, and the fact that Lamar Jackson does have the arm talent to be able to kind of buy some time and still flick with a flick of a wrist, throw the ball 60 yards down the field and, and find one of his receivers trailing in the back end. Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator for the Ravens, is somehow still incredibly underrated. I mean, this guy knows how to maximize his quarterback strengths. We saw him do it with Colin Kaepernick in San Francisco. He's doing it now with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. And you mentioned the multiple offense, especially in the run game. They have a very uh, varied rushing attack in Baltimore. They're going to mix in their RPOs. They're going to run traps, play action, pulling guard power, pulling guard and then opposite run with a counter. They'll do it with their quarterback. They'll do it with their running back. You name it, they run it. So mental prep is huge when you're playing this football team. Bobby Wagner talked about it a couple days ago that it comes down to discipline and film study. You can't have mistakes with gap responsibilities. We saw a few problems with that against the Browns, the Nick Chubb 52-yard run. Pete Carroll chalked that up to uh, not handling their gap responsibilities. You do that against the Baltimore Ravens, you are going to get burned. You have to scrape to the football. You have to contain on the edge. And again, tackling is crucial. If you get an opportunity to get Lamar Jackson to the ground, you got to find a way to make sure you finish it off. Because just like Russell Wilson, he's incredibly gifted at evading pass rushers and magically escaping and making plays on broken plays, extending uh, the pocket, improvising, you name it. He can do all those things. And so this is just an extremely difficult offense to try to game plan for, not only because they run so many different types of plays, but just because Lamar Jackson has such uh, such a unique ability to extend plays. I would make an argument he might be the most athletic player that has ever played the quarterback position in the league. I know that might sound crazy, but this is a guy that ran a 4-3-4 40-yard dash at his pro day, and you see that speed on the field every week. Yeah, I mean, the only one I think you can compare him to would be Michael Vick. And Michael Vick was faster in a straight line. He wasn't as elusive as Lamar Jackson is. I mean, Lamar Jackson has like Fred Astaire feet. I mean, he can just absolutely slide left, right, back. I mean, he he is dynamic in the open field. I mean, he's... There's not a lot of players that I would pay to watch. You know, I'm the grizzled old veteran that's seen a lot of a lot of football over my years, but Lamar Jackson is just that fun to watch, at least if he's not playing against the Seahawks. Then we mentioned this earlier, Marquise Brown, the rookie out of Oklahoma, he's dealing with an ankle injury, has not practiced yet this week, so maybe he's not going to be able to suit up in this game, but that's really a big storyline going into this because you talked about earlier, the Ravens have found ways to be explosive in their passing game because of Greg Roman's ability to call plays and dial up a lot of different looks, but if they don't have Marquise Brown, that certainly hinders their ability to get the ball downfield to their receivers, and it may make life easier you're trying to defend Mark Andrews. You mentioned the Seahawks can uh, be more aggressive with their press coverage, have more support for their linebackers that are in coverage against Mark Andrews. If they don't have to worry as much about Brown burning them over the top, the Ravens don't have a lot of guys away from him that are going to consistently burn you downfield. Boykin obviously has really good speed, can do that, uh, but he's still kind of a raw route runner and has struggled a little bit at times. He's made some plays, but he's had his rookie struggles 
This is a receiving core that doesn't have a lot of guys that can really take the top off the defense. If you don't have Brown in there, that does simplify things a little bit for the Seahawks defensively. It does. But there, there's some guys who I think are kind of sneaky athletic. Willie Sneed, Seth Roberts uh, are a couple of guys who I, I like their mobility after the catch. Um, and, and so that's somebody that, again, I don't know that they're the kind of the kind of receivers that are going to scare you, not like the the Rams or uh, you know the, some of the other teams out there, the Saints, um, that concern you on a day-to-day basis, keep your kind of defensive coordinator up at night. But if you are going to ask your corners to go one-on-one because you're asking the safety to drop down and play against the run or focusing on the tight end. These are the kind of guys that, that can make you miss. And so it would be a significant loss if Marquise Brown is not out there because he is faster than anybody else on the Ravens def- on the Ravens offense with the possible exception of their quarterback, Lamar Jackson. But at the same time, Willie Sneed and Seth Roberts are other ones that I think that the Seahawks should absolutely need to be concerned about on the outside. Those guys both are very capable after the catch. Sneed's a guy that I've been following since he was playing at Ball State, and he's one of those guys that just consistently puts up decent numbers. He finds ways to get open, so they've certainly got some other receivers, but not having Brown out there would be a a major loss for the Ravens going into this football game, and it would make life a little easier, I think, for those corners on the outside. Now, let's swing to Seattle on offense. Obviously, we can talk about the pass rush for the Seahawks a little bit as well. Getting Jaron Reed back helps, but Looking at the offensive side of the football, Baltimore is not the same imposing defense it used to be. They're not bad, but this unit has not been able to overcome personnel losses in the pass rushing department. This feels like a game to me that Seattle will need to be in attack mode early throwing the football, even with the studs the Ravens have in the secondary, partially because those big bodies in the middle, it's going to be tough to come in and get that run game established early. But if you can get some quick strikes in the passing game, get some yards after the catch against the Ravens. It feels like that could open up that run game for Seattle. Yeah, and that's I'm I'm absolutely with you on that, Corbin. I mean, I normally I'm a guy who's going to argue that you need to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, kind of set the tempo. In this game, I think that you have to try and get Baltimore uh, a little bit off off center, and I think that the way you do that is you try to get an early lead. And then if you can do that, then Baltimore is going to be the team that's a little bit more one-dimensional. Make Lamar Jackson beat you from the pocket using his arm. That was always the the mo again or the, the, his struggles, um, you know, at Louisville. Um, is you have to kind of take that part away from him as far as the running game um, that Baltimore has created for him to, to complement him. And we haven't mentioned we talked about him a lot yesterday with Mark Ingram, but we haven't mentioned him enough in this game. And I think that if you can make Baltimore have to pass their way to get back into the game, then that's that sets the Seattle up very, very nicely. We, we talked about with DK Metcalf. I think that Seattle is going to be looking to do some play action because they're going to be Baltimore is going to be expecting Seattle trying to run the ball early. I think that there is going to be some opportunities out there, and you know, Earl Thomas is going to want to try and make a big play again. Use that emotion against them and see if you can make a, do a play action pass or something like that over the top again. Specifically looking for DK Metcalf and a, to have that type of a of, a, of a opportunity. Pass to open up the run this week. Absolutely. Baltimore, this is why statistics, it's always worthwhile to do some digging rather than just look, oh, the Ravens have the fourth best rushing defense yards per game. That is skewed by the fact they've played four games against the Dolphins, Bengals, Cardinals, and Steelers. Those four games, they shut down the opposing running game, but several of those games, they didn't have to worry too much about the team passing the ball on them. I mean, obviously, we know the Dolphins quarterback situation right now. The Bengals, since that opener against Seattle, 
have really struggled throwing the football for the most part. Arizona has been up and down with Kyler Murray as a rookie. Steelers have had multiple quarterbacks in the lineup. At that point, they had Mason Rudolph in, and he got hurt in that game. So the Ravens haven't had to worry a lot about playing elite quarterbacks in those games, and that's made it easier for them to really prioritize run defense. But the other two games, Cleveland and Kansas City, who have better quarterbacks, those two teams had a ton of success running the football. 333 rushing yards, over six yards per carry, five rushing touchdowns. So the people that are arguing arguing the Seahawks can't run the ball on this team, that is not at all true. You can run on the Baltimore Ravens, but I do view this as a game, like I mentioned, where if you want to get that run game going, open it up with your passing game early. And you mentioned getting a bit, a, a bit of a lead there at the beginning, how much that can impact Baltimore's offense. That is definitely... Something that I think if I'm a coach in the Seahawks office right now, that I'm looking to this game and I'm saying, let's be in attack mode early. Maybe we can get a couple quick strikes downfield too. And we can get a couple, maybe seven, ten points real quick on the board. We change up how they do things offensively and it opens up our run game in the process. Exactly. I think that, that it makes a lot of sense. I mean, at, at the same time, you know, we're not in the Seahawks coaching staff booth at this point. And I think that what we are likely to see happen while while you and I are going to say that Seattle should throw the ball over the top. I would not be surprised at all if we see two run heavy defensive oriented head coaches and their and their teams are going to just absolutely be two battering rams going up against each other. It's my kind of football. It's old school football. It's the I should say our kind of football because I know you have a very similar thought that way to me this is i think there's a chance that this game winds up being like some of those classic seahawks versus 49ers games that help seattle kind of propel themselves to the the class of the nfc and of course in 2013 the class of all the nfl and so i i just am so excited about this game from a personnel matchup and from just a physicality matchup this is black and blue good old-fashioned football and if it's going to be in the rain and the weather like it looks like it could be it just sets up for exactly the type of game that i think carries a team through into the postseason. I talked about this in our crossover Wednesday episode. I I just really think that there's a good chance. I think you could see a lot of black and blue football out there, but I think you're going to see a lot of points in this football game because both teams have good quarterbacks that can beat you with their arms and their legs. I feel like both defenses have some significant holes, and we've seen it throughout the year from both sides. And so while there's plenty of talent on both defenses, I think the offenses could rule the day here. And maybe it will be by uh, pounding the rock early on both sides. Let's run the football and get things going. But I think with the capabilities of Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson, this could be one where we see both teams in the upper 20s, low 30s scoring the football. I could see it being a little different than, say, if this game happened four or five years ago when these two teams played, you're probably looking at a low-scoring slugfest. I could see this being a very physical game that still has a lot of points, which would be really exciting. It would it would be our kind of football, but you still got a lot of points on the scoreboard. I could certainly see that happening in this football game. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at CorbinSmithNFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. If you'd like to be a featured sponsor for our podcast, you can contact me, LockedSeahawks at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever your preferred podcast platform is hope everyone enjoys sunday's game i truly believe this has the potential to be an instant classic between two evenly matched teams that share many of the same philosophies two teams who could be in the super bowl mix big statement game for each squad we'll be back monday to break everything down from this contest hope you'll tune in thanks for listening go hawks